Gabby Thornock, and I'm joined by Haley Jamison to introduce our podcast this week. Gosh, Billy was crazy, man. I know. He got his undergrad in history and then a master's in accounting. Right, right, right. He was so passionate about history. I was like, I don't know where this interview is going to go because what, what, he's passionate about so many things. It was incredible. He's such a cool guy, too. I used to work with him. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he's a huge foodie as well, which, I mean, makes sense that he would open his own restaurant in Laos. Right. Um, which but. is kind of like the main storyline of this interview, which I thought was super cool because it's not what I was expecting. But we got to talk so much about just, like, challenges as well as, like, just things he learned. Yeah, and Laotian, I think that's how you pronounce that, Laotian business culture and just kind of, like, culture in general. And some things that were, like, super interesting that I found, like, apparently if you're a restaurant owner in Laos and you're not there every day with your customers for them to, like, see you face-to-face, that's a big no-no. Yeah, I had no clue. Could you imagine? That must be, like, exhausting. Yeah, he was there for a good amount of time. I think it was five years. I think you're right. We can just learn some tricks that he had for working around different business cultures and just trying to figure out how to succeed in a business in a different country. So let's get into it. Sounds good. Maybe we can start with that. Growing up, I didn't really know. Like a lot of kids, you don't really know what you want to do in life. I kind of went through the motions. I almost joined the military. I signed up right before 9-11. And... uh, 11 happened, so I, I uh, decided not to go to the Army. So I got accepted to university. It wasn't the best of times. I just, I wasn't focused. I, I jumped from major to major. For me, I just realized I was, a, I just loved history. I don't know what it was. I just loved, I loved the History Channel. I, I could watch the History Channel 24-7. I just love learning about mistakes people make, all the accomplishments people had. I think it's very uh, useful in life. So that's why I chose history, not knowing very limited uh, options in terms of work post-graduation, but I did it anyway. But I was also working at Paychex. I worked at Bank of America before then. So I worked in kind of like banking, finance-related jobs, even though I was a history major. It was weird. Um, So I, I started working at Bank of America in college, but I also worked at Paychex for a number of years before I did my master's in accounting. Something really grabbed my attention, and it really heightened my interest in finances and numbers. Because uh, while working at Paychex, I was working with not just with payroll data, but I also worked with accountants, and I looked at their processes. I helped them with reporting, and that really stirred my interest, and that's why I decided to go into accounting. So I, I finished my accounting, uh, got my master's in accounting. I, went, I did a program at National University that offered... Uh, a master's program with somebody with no accounting experience, basically. But they teach you everything from start to finish. And it's a, t- a two-year program. So I did that. And um, in 2000, I finished in 2008. And in 2010, I decided I wanted to explore the world. Because I was still working at Paychex. And I, even though I love my job, I love my colleagues, I, I realized I was, I was trapped. I was trapped in, in this life. I was in San Diego for most of my life, from childhood till, you know, my 30s. And I was just trapped in this bubble, and I decided maybe it's a good time to move. Just to explore the world, give it a year, give it a shot, and who knows what could come from it. So I I saved up as much money as I could uh, in two years, and then I I moved to Laos in 2012 without really a clear idea of what I was going to do. I I knew I wanted to get into, into accounting. But at the same time, I was kind of over like the, the nine to five office work. 
So I, I head to Laos, which is a Southeast Asian country. It's a very small country relative to other countries nearby and neighboring countries. There's only seven, around 7 million people in the entire country. When you compare oh, wow. uh, to Thailand, where there's approximately, don't, don't quote me on, there's maybe 60 million people. Uh, and in neighboring Vietnam, there's approximately close to 100 million people. And of course, our neighboring north, northern neighbors is China. So uh, Laos was a very, very small country. So in here, Billy was talking about population size. And so we just wanted to make sure that we had the exact numbers of those. He was very close on all of them. But the actual population of Laos is 7 million. Yeah. Thailand, uh, the next biggest in that surrounding area of Southeast Asia, 66 million. Then next up is Vietnam with 96 million. And then, of course, the uh, large neighbor to the north, China, at 1.4 billion. billion. So they just blew them all out of the water. I decided to go back just because, one, that was, uh, that's my, my, my mother's homeland. Um, and I've, I've been there, I, I went there once when I was younger, but I, I went, only went there for a month. So I didn't really get a feel for what the culture was like. And I knew that I knew that the country was just started to boom. They they started their their stock exchange in 2011, um, and I found out the, the big fours were all going into Laos as well. So that really that was a, a hope that I wanted to do was maybe potentially get into a big four um, in Asia and work and then just travel. But I ended up opening a business with my buddy. His family owned a bunch of land and. They had some empty buildings that they didn't have anything to do with. So they decided, we decided to use that empty space to open a restaurant bar. So that was my first experience as a, as a business owner. We worked day and night, three years. In the end, I decided to come back to the U.S. Uh, my buddy, he's still operating the, the restaurant business. He, now he has a cafe and there's two locations. The, the restaurant that we opened was an American-style restaurant, serving American foods, American drinks, because I think just being in Southeast Asia, you don't have a lot of American influence. A lot of influence came from Australians, the British, but not so much Americans. So, so we kind of brought that flavor to Laos. And um, for a while, we were one of the top, top highest rating um, places to hang out, I guess. It was really, really popular at one point. At the end of it all, I, I met my wife while I was in Laos. After being in Laos for two years, I met her. Uh, in 2014 and we got married in 2015. My wife worked, works for the government of Laos and she's a, 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 she works in the Ministry of Finance. And that kind of pushed me towards accounting again. I was like, I, I got my, my degree in accounting. Why am I, I, I even though I love being a business owner, I, love, I enjoy the freedom, the, the flexibility. I, I miss something about, about numbers. I miss working with numbers. So I started working for a state-owned enterprise. So in Southeast Asia, there's a lot of companies that are working in tandem with government. Uh, how should I say this? So basically, a state-owned enterprise will, will focus on an industry like freshwater or natural gases. They'll find the funding from, out, from overseas, but they're a part of the government. And the government pretty much vouches for the connection, for the contracts to get established. So I, I did that for a year as an, a staff accountant for that company, learned a great deal. Again, that was like my first real accounting job, but it, it, was, it, was a, it was a challenge. So after a year, I went to another company called MMG, which is a Australian-based mining company. And they had mines in, in China, Australia, Laos, of course, Congo, and they had, they, they, they had just opened up another mine in Peru. 
So I was a staff accountant. We were the outsource team. And it was interesting because I, we worked, my team was consisted of all Laotian colleagues. They were really, really nice and really skilled people. And I, I do, I learned a great deal as well. Going from no accounting experience to working for a multinational company really opened my eyes. So I, I did that for about a year. And then I, I, just, I just really missed home. But at that time, I was, I was already overseas for five years, rarely coming back home to see my family here. So I, grew, I got married and met great people, saw the good, the bad in the country, in that, in that region, but I don't regret any of it. So I, after that, I decided to move back to the U.S. And it was a little scary because being away for so long, for five years, I wasn't sure of how, how companies were going to perceive my experience in Asia, not knowing if it was credible or not. And then I came back and I started working uh, in accounting again so for a, an advertising company, doing staff accounting work. Long story short, I'm now at Restaurant 365, still doing accounting work, which is something I love to do. I love working with people. And I've just been really fortunate, really blessed to have worked for great people and just, just learning a lot, never, never ending my, my learning journey. <laughs> You've had an amazing career so far, Billy. It's really unique. I'm curious, when you first went to Laos the second time to start your career in the, in the you know, early 2010s, did you experience any big moments of culture shock, you know, going to live there, not just stay there for a month? Oh, oh definitely. People know just by the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you dress, that you're not from there. Uh, it's it's like a a, a a mix of a mix of reactions. It's like some people are pretty receptive. Some people think you're a foreigner. But I was lucky because Laos is again it's a very small country. A lot of people know each other in the in the capital city. I live in the capital city. There's maybe less than a million people in the entire city. So a lot of people knew each other, especially in the same industry. So it wasn't that difficult. I guess they were pretty receptive of of me, especially being a Laotian American being an American, they, they love that, that part of it. But I think from the actual, the people, the country themselves, when you, they see you walking by, they still think you're a foreigner. So it was, it was you know, it's, it's a mix of reactions that you would get. And when you went abroad to Laos, how did that work logistically? Because you kind of went just on, not on a whim, you, you've saved for two years, but you weren't sponsored by a company. So how did that work, finding a place to live, getting started working and starting your business with your partner? How did that work? So I, I got lucky. Again, my buddy, his family owns uh, some businesses. They own hotels. So I got to, to, to live with my buddy for, for basically zero. And I did want to move out on my own, but like that, that, I was lucky. I, they, they adopted me as their, as their son, and I got to live with him for many years without really paying much um, but I helped out in a lot of different ways. But a lot of my money did go to just the cost of living, uh, investing in the business. You know, I think if you are somebody that's looking to relocate or be an expat in a foreign country, you definitely have to manage your money a certain way because you can't live like you're a rock star because <laughs> that money will go away quick. Even though the cost of living is much less, even though the cost of food is way, way less, I mean, you're also making a lot less so you have to be really, really wise with your spending. So tell us about your experience as a restaurant owner in Laos. Like that's a pretty unique experience, at least from people that we've interviewed here. What is, what does a day to day look like? So as a business owner in Asia, it's a lot different. One, there's less regulation, right? So in terms of like taxation, 
they do have taxes, but it's it's not as stringent. Uh, the tax system is not um, you can't it's, it's not comparable to the U.S. at all. You can broker deals with the tax agents. <laughs> I mean, so that that was something that was strange for me. I think as a business owner, I expected to have all this like red tape, all this like paperwork that you had to do. But a lot of it's who you know, what connections you have. Some people may consider that corruption, but that's that's just the way certain countries are. They don't have great systems in place like the U.S. So, I mean, it's there's positives and there's negatives. I think being in a country like Laos where it's landlocked, um, there, it's in terms of logistics, it's very hard to get your hands on certain goods like you want from the U.S. Just because Laos is a landlocked country and everything's imported in. So, well, yes, it's a third world country, but for certain goods, it's way more expensive. You can go to an American restaurant in Laos and you can put the cheapest burger you'll find is 10 bucks just because it's considered quality VIP food. So that was something that also struck me. I, I, I didn't realize how expensive things were um, to run a business. And the third dynamic that was really strange to me is a lot of your customers go to your establishment because they, they know you. So it's your, it's your face, it's your, it's your demeanor, it's your personality that, that attracts your customers. They don't, they don't really care how great the food is. Of course, they care about the ambiance. But a lot of times in, in Laos, since it's a very small country, people go to your establishment because one, they want to support you, and two, they know you. So you all, you, you had to be there. You had to be there. You had to serve your, your customers. If you missed a day and they're like, okay, I'm not coming anymore, right? So you have to be there when they're there. And that's a, that's a part of the culture, I guess. They, it's a very family, uh, family-bound environment where if they want to see you, if they don't see you, they're not gonna go to your restaurant. <laughs> so those, are, those three things are really, that really stood out to me. That, that, that is a pretty unique challenge. <laughs> In accounting, it's, it's not quite that. It, where if the client doesn't see your face every day, they're like, well, you know, not gonna come here tomorrow, but that's, yeah. uh, that's a different bag. Um, were there any other unique challenges or benefits to being a business owner or a restaurant owner in Laos? I think being a foreign business owner does have a lot of complications. I mean, just getting your visa itself, there's different types of visas that you can get, and it varies in between countries. Uh, in, in countries like Thailand, it's more laxed, but in Laos is a communist country, so having your own business, you have to jump through a lot of hoops. I, I think that I think it's done that way just because that's how the country makes your money, basically. You don't have a one-stop shop to go, okay, I'm gonna go online, I'm gonna register my business, and then I'm, I'm good to go. You have to go to this ministry of health to get your paperwork. You have to go to another ministry, give them some fees. You have to go to a third ministry for, for taxation. There's a lot of hoops to jump through just to open a business. And I think that's the, the overwhelming feeling in Asia where that's just the way that have things set up governmentally. They want their employees to get paid. And in order to get paid, there's, there's all of these <laughs> different ministries set up. And if you were to ask anybody that tried investing in Laos, they would tell you the exact same thing. Starting a business in, in Laos is one, super expensive, super difficult. And if, if something were to happen to your business, there's not a lot of like judicial backing. Like there's, there's, there's a lack of law. If you try to sue somebody, it's, it's not gonna go in your favor because you're considered a foreigner. There's a lot of risks that you, you take by doing business in, in Laos. I can speak for that. Unless you're from Laos. Unless you're from Laos, you, you, you know, again, it's who you know. It's who your family knows, how much capital you have. There's, 
it's such a different environment, business environment there than it is here. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. So how does that work building like a business relation and building rapport with people in Laos? Does it happen, you know, in a weekend, on a phone call, and it's like in a conversation? Is it more like you really have to build a relationship with someone first? How does that work? I'm sorry, building a relationship with customers or with colleagues? With I guess with uh, colleagues, like business relationships. But then customers as well, that counts as business. Yeah, well, business relationships, from, from my experience and my colleagues in Laos, a lot of times they will look for business partners that they know. So it's very personal, right? Because, it's again, it's very difficult to trust people that you don't know. I guess and this is a, just from based on my observation in Laos. If you don't know that person and you're investing tons of money, Again, a contract can only go so far because you can't really sue somebody if somebody walks away with your money, right? If somebody decides they don't want to do it anymore. Um, it's a really risky proposition. So they have to go into business with somebody that they know. You don't see a lot of corporate, that's why you don't see a lot of corporations. A lot of businesses are run by families just because they want to keep it in-house. Okay, so Laos is a, a very small country. Again, there's maybe four companies that's listed on the stock market. Or companies, <laughs> one because a lot of a lot of companies again are, are family centric. It's not it's not built to be a corporation. Two, they don't have great audit procedures, and they don't they don't want to pay the funds to get to get audited to be added to the stock market. So Billy talked about the number of Laotian companies publicly listed on the stock exchange, and we looked it up, and as of 2020, that number is 11. Okay, so Billy said that it was about four or five, right? I think so. But that yeah. was years ago, so yeah, this is a little bit more up current. to date. Okay, yes. love it. So there's a lot of a lot of reasons why establishing a business relationship it, it's difficult. I think in in Asia, like you have to you have to really know that person personally. And again, I'm just speaking on on behalf of my experience in my inner circle and what I've seen. Yeah, well, you had pretty you know, five years of experience, both as a business owner and as a, an employee. So you've got some, you've got some uh, good experience there to speak from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we've heard a lot about kind of the, the struggles and the challenges and kind of the unique intricacies of building relationships as a kind of like a business owner and investor. How was that when you worked as a as a staff accountant in Laos and like building relationships with maybe your like manager or like your other coworkers? Was that more, again, like relationship focused, like you would build trust with them by spending time with them? Or is it more like task focused, like you show them that you're like an efficient worker and that'll build you kind of that, that rapport and that relationship? It's both. I, I, think, um, I think Laos specifically is known as a, such a laid back country, but I, the companies that I worked for, uh, especially the mining companies, multinational companies, a lot of pressure. You had to close your books within one day, you know, for all seven entities. So um, there was a lot of pressure. So we, we, we had to perform. There is no doubt about that. You had to perform. But one thing I, I enjoy about working in Laos was how relaxed things were and um, just, uh, just how relaxed the environment was between your colleagues. Yes, the work was serious, um, but we always found, found a time to, to hang out, grab some something to drink, or just you know just talk, and you don't get to do that much here in the U.S. It's all work, 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 work. In in Asia, people are more re- more relaxed. We, I mean, they they joke about certain things. They can joke about certain things that you can't do here. I mean, they had an HR department, but people would 
you know, people would compliment each other. Some people here in the U.S. If somebody, if a, if a man complimented women, they would be, it would feel weird, feel awkward. But in Asia, it's common to compliment somebody. It's really nice for somebody to compliment you. Some people may perceive it as flirting, or it's it's not appropriate for work. But it's just a different culture. You know, I can't really explain it. But the people right. are really, really nice, and it's more of a family environment. Each other outside of work, you go to each other's farm on the weekend to hang out. Um, you go out with your managers. Like I used to go golfing with my manager, right? And I didn't want to go, but it's one of those things. In Asia, you have to, you kind of have to go. It's a, a lot of it is face value. A lot of it is to impress your seniors. But I mean, I enjoyed it. I had fun. I had fun. That's a part of the culture. Maybe in the U.S. it's not as frowned upon, maybe, but in Asia. It's 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 super common. Are there any other kind of cultural differences that you observe like that, like the complimenting and maybe you know the importance of going to like work activities outside of the you know your work hours with people? Are there any other things that you notice like that? I think uh, one reason why I came back to the U.S. too, because in Laos the culture there, the work culture is like you would go and have dinner afterwards and you would drink, and this is. You can, on any given night, it could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Doesn't really matter because again, the, the environment's so laid back. People want to build that camaraderie, and it was too much of it. I think um, for me personally, I try to start, stray away from that because it was, you know, I, I wanted, I'd rather be home with my family than be out drinking and dining out with my coworkers, who I see every day. But I mean, I think that's one. I think that's one negative drawback to the country itself is. It's so laid back that people have so much more time to just mingle and just hang out way too much, and it, it strays away from like the, the, the focus. Like, what are you trying to do? You trying to start a business? You trying to run a business successfully? Um, a lot gets in the way with just socializing and hanging out. So, that, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. One, you get to you get to socialize with your colleagues, you build relationships, but sometimes it's way too much. I think there there needs to be a balance. Um, I had a I had a friend in Laos who who studied in Japan, and he said when he when he worked for a company in Japan, you couldn't leave the office until a CEO left. So if you finish all of your work, you have to sit at your desk, pretend you're doing something, pretend you're busy, nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night until the CEO leaves, because that's a sign of disrespect if you leave early. And wow. After that, even after that, you have to you have to go and if he invites you to he or she invites you to dinner or drinks afterwards, you can't, you can't say no. You have to, you have to go. Um, it's one of those levels, lines of respect that you have to, you have to do it. It's, it's, uh, it's, more, it's more forced, but um, that's just how things are. <laughs> yeah. Man, that is that's intense. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to keep you too long, so we'll wrap it up with two more questions. In the Laotian culture, is there kind of this common belief in karma or fate or destiny, uh, is that does that is that relevant at all to Laotian culture? Yeah, so uh, Laos is a predominantly Buddhist country. The belief in karma is definitely is definitely huge. So Laotians believe in doing good deeds, and good deeds will follow. So I'm not sure if that's a, the correct interpretation of karma, but that's how I perceive karma. Right? You do good, good will come back. If you do negative things, you're gonna get negative things in your life. Um, so definitely Laos is a very giving country. So one, one thing that really stood out to me when I moved there 
um, was just how open people were and how, how welcoming people were to each other. Let's say you were walking down the street and my family were eating dinner on the patio. We see you walking by. It's very common for a Laotian family to ask you, Haley, come over and eat with us, even if they don't know you. It's just, it's just a common, it's a, it's a courtesy to ask, hey, are you hungry? Do you, want, do you want to eat with us? Most likely you're, you're going to say no. But if you do, then that's, that's even better because they want to get to know you, right? They want to give to you. Or There's a lot of um, impoverished parts of the country where schools are under, underfunded. I mean, it's a third world country. Um, but in the cities where people are a little bit more well off, you're seeing a, a, an increase of people donating goods to the schools, to the hospitals, you know? So I, I think overall, yes, Laos does, is a strong believer in karma and it's always about giving back to, to other people in need. That, that's lovely. And that, that also might take some getting used to if you're a foreigner and people are just so open and, and you're not used to that. Mm-hmm. Well, some, in some countries, I mean, in some, some South Asian countries, they're not as open. Um, in countries, more developed countries like in Korea, where it's similar to the to the U.S., where everyone's just so caught in, caught up in life, um, they're not going to be as nice. I mean, it's a bigger city; it's it's a cosmopolitan compared to a small third world city where people are just laid more laid back. People are going to be, I think, naturally nicer. I think. Well, in closing, Billy, what advice would you give to any young student or professional that's hoping to work abroad someday? Save your money, right? Save your money because you're going to need it. Uh, do your research, know your area, because there's a lot of like different nuances that you don't know about online, but you want to find out as much as you can. So that gives you a better idea. So I, I spent two years researching the country, asking my friends, asking people who has gone back recently, what the country's like, what to expect, what to wear, what kind of food do they have? Are you going to get food poisoning? There's a lot that goes behind it. But I think the, the biggest recommendation, the biggest advice is, Explore, try all the foods, meet the locals. Don't just hang out with who you're comfortable with because you're just preventing yourself from learning about the culture, about yourself. I think you have to really open up and try as many things as you can, even though it's awkward, it's different. Um, I'll give you an example. I, I, I was really close with the expat community. Expat is expatriates, people from the US, people from Australia, from Europe. They all go to, to, to Laos to work, to study, to help out with nonprofits. So a lot of times there's a big community of expats they, that just hang out together and they're always complaining and nagging about the country. Well, I knew of other expats who were super happy, always happy, never complaining about the country. Why? Because they, they open themselves up to, to, to different ideas, to different foods, to different, they're even trying to learn the language. I think by doing so, you, you're also teaching them. You can teach them English as well. So, I mean, there's a reciprocating uh, relationship that you have with, with the people there, the locals there. So, so definitely there's a lot of things you, you definitely need to research, but most importantly, just open up. That's some great advice right there. Yeah. Well, Billy, thank you so much for hopping on for a little bit to tell us about your experiences. This has been great. I appreciate you again. Thank you so much. Um, thank for- you. It was great seeing you, Billy. <laughs> you too. Take care. Bye, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello, Culture Conversation listeners, and thank you for joining us today as we've heard from Billy and his experience in Laos. We also have joining us today a new member of the podcast team. Will, why don't you introduce yourself a little? Hi, listeners. My name is Will Johansson. I'm from Detroit, Michigan, and I'm currently studying Russian as well as global business and literacy here at BYU. I'm very, very excited to be a member of the podcast team and for all the great content that that we will be putting your way soon. We're so excited to have Will joining us. 
So, Will, what did you think about this episode with Billy? Yeah, I thought Billy's a fantastic guest. It was really interesting to hear the differences between how the restaurant businesses ran in Southeast Asia and America, especially in relation to the owners of the business, the restaurant owners, and how they interact with their customers. Right. It's so interesting to know how much more relationship-focused it is over there instead of where it's here in the United States. It's definitely more product-focused. Yeah, certainly. I was just thinking about the restaurants that I frequent here in Provo, and I can't say that I know a single owner of the restaurant, but in Billy's experience, he said that that was a crucial part of running a successful business as a restaurant owner is having those relationships with with your customers and physically being in the restaurant day in and day out. Right. (laughs) I can't think of a single restaurant owner that I know either. (laughs) I just go for the food. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) But listeners, we also wanted to make you aware of an exciting opportunity coming up that is um, hosted by International Hub and sponsored by Microsoft and the Whitmore Global Business Center here at BYU. We will be hosting an international virtual case competition called Beyond Borders. Yeah, Beyond Borders is a great opportunity for you to get together with some of your colleagues and um, classmates to generate creative ideas um, for some of the issues that we're seeing on a global on a global level. There are some fantastic prizes as well. The first place winner um, will receive a $6,000 cash prize. Second place winner will have a $2,500 prize and third place $1,500. It's very, very exciting um, and a great opportunity to be part of a global initiative to try to better the um, business community. Yes, it's very exciting. And the deadline to register is February 26, 2021. So wherever you're listening from, we encourage you to apply and get a team together and participate in this really exciting opportunity. And once again, thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Uh, Be sure to tune in next time for another interesting conversation. We hope you join us again soon.